Blog Talk Radio. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! You've heard about it. You've read about it. You've talked about it. And now, you've found it. This is Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio, the largest radio social network in the world. With your host, Alan Smith. It's time to shut down that big rig, sit back, and come join the conversation. Truth About Trucking Live begins right now. And welcome back to the show, everyone. Today is Thursday, August 7th, 2014. Thanks for tuning in to our program. As This evening we'll be discussing the issue of truckers being woke up by law enforcement officials during the federally mandated 10-hour rest break period. Our, our guests this evening are Kenny Capel and Martin Hill, uh, founders of the don'twakemeup.org and uh, Actually, Donna, I think Kenny's the founder, right? No, Martin's the founder. Martin is the founder? Okay. And um, Kenny will share his story as it relates to an incident that occurred in the state of Georgia and how he's uh, fighting back by standing on his constitutional rights. And and both Kenny and Martin will discuss with us those issues that they believe all truckers should know and understand when faced with this type of issue, which may violate their rights as it relates to the federal requirements that all professional truck drivers operate under. And Donna, you've uh, you've also been seeing and reading, uh, you know, a lot of the comments from other drivers who share in their experiences as it relates to our topic this evening. So, uh, you know, I'm not sure how often it happens. It has happened to me in I can only recount three times in 29 years over the road that it did. But uh, what are you seeing out there? Is it happening more often than one may think, or what? What's your general feel? Are you asking me? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Well, according to the comments here, um, you know, it looks like it's happening, you know, quite a bit. And according to the and, – and this is how this all started. Um, I just want everybody to know that a couple of weeks ago we had uh, a, a show, and it, and it was about um, Jason's Law and the truck parking survey and the shortage and how – Drivers uh, couldn't park at shippers and receivers, and it was causing a problem. Well, then when uh, Desiree was on the show, and she was going through the results of the uh, truck parking survey, and uh, she was saying that she noticed a lot of comments coming in. And, you know, we're talking about, you know, not just one or two, but hundreds uh, of comments on the comment section of how drivers were being woken up. And and it was by law enforcement, and uh, they were just told to um, either move or they were going to use it for, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, Alan, a a station of some kind? Oh, uh, setting up a mobile scale. Oh, okay. And so, you know, this was pretty surprising that, you know, during people are, are mandated to take this break, and then who's waking them up but law enforcement. So it's kind of ironic, really. Uh, Anyway, so at the same time, uh, Martin 
had written us, and um, I guess uh, Alan and him went back and forth, and then you know started taking him to his website called don'twakemeup.org, and Kenny's story was on there. Now, I know Kenny had a pre-court hearing. His court hearing is the 11th, so um, I'm kind of on pins and needles. When we spoke to him, there was some kind of meeting today, and we'll find out what that's all about if uh, if he still has to go on the 11th or if they've dropped the charges. So, um, you know, we'll we'll get it going with the guests. All right. Well, yep, we'll hear their story this evening and take your calls. Uh, listeners lining up, appreciate you tuning in. So far, calls from North Dakota, Texas, and Florida. We'll take them as we roll along. If you'd like to be a part of the show, our call-in number, 347-826-9170. Our show this evening, Trucker's Right to Sleep and the Fourth Amendment. And it's all coming up on Truth You're About Trucking You're listening to Truth About Trucking live on Blog Talk Radio. Alan Smith will be right back. Hey everybody, Alan Smith here with the Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. Have you been driving a big rig for a while now and considering starting your own business as an owner-operator? Well, Lone Mountain Truck Leasing offers the best lease purchase plan in the industry. With a small down payment and monthly payments around $1,000 or less, you make the monthly payment, and when the final payment is made, they hand over the title. It really is that simple. There is no big balloon payment at the end, and secondly, the truck is yours, not a lease plan under one truck and company. So if becoming an owner-operator is your goal, do it the right way. Do it the best way. Contact Lone Mountain Truck Leasing on the web at LoneMountainTruck.com or give them a call toll-free at 866-512-5685. That's LoneMountainTruck.com. And be sure to tell them that you heard about them on Truth About Trucking Live. Man, it's crowded tonight. Care if I join you? Sure, have a seat. Sorry about the paperwork. <laughs> Name's Cole. Appreciate it. I'm Harlan, by the way. Here's a fill-up for you guys. Thanks, honey. Harlan, you look hungry. What can I get you? I'll have a Coke and whatever he's having. Back in a bit. What are you doing with all this paperwork, driver? Looks like you're tripping over your trip sheets. want to get a jump on these taxes before they jump me. There is a better way to manage your trucking paperwork. With TripSheetCentral.com, you're a login away from tracking every aspect of your business. TripSheetCentral.com organizes your information easily so you can see how your business is performing. That sounds easy. And it's fast. Time-consuming paperwork is eliminated with a low-cost monthly subscription. I no longer have to worry about invoices, settlement reports, or fuel tax returns. TripSheetCentral.com does that for me. Manage your business information securely with TripSheet Central. Visit TripSheetCentral.com at your next stop. This is Truth About Trucking Live with Alan Smith. To be a part of the program, call in now at 347-826-9170. Skype users can call in by clicking on the Skype button on our show page. To be a sponsor of the show, email Donna at info at truthabouttrucking.com. Now, back to the show. 
All right, we're back. Our guests, Martin Hill and Kenny Capel of DontWakeMeUp.org. And, uh, Martin, welcome to the show. Glad to have you here. Hey, Alan, Donna, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Oh, you bet. And, Kenny, same to you. Thanks for joining us this evening. Oh, no problem. Hey, let's just uh, start by just sharing a little bit more about yourselves for those who are just learning about all of this. Martin, uh, I guess let's just start with you. Tell us a little more about your background, a little bio about yourself. Well, I was born in uh, Southern California and uh, raised there and come from a big uh, Italian Catholic family. I went to private uh, Catholic school my whole life, and um, I only recently became a truck driver four years ago. Um, I had a commercial window cleaning business I started when I was uh, 20, so I did that for many, many years. And, um, uh, you know, the economy turned south, as it has for a lot of people, and uh, my wife suggested I try trucking, so I tried it. And um, I tried it for a year, and I, I kind of liked it. So, And, by the way, I was telling Kenny in truck driving school, there was a lot of people who chose that career out, out of necessity because of a downturn in the economy. We had real estate agents, right. computer programmers. A lot of guys had been foreclosed on, lost their house. You know, one of my coworkers was living with his family, wife, and with his parents. So, I mean, a lot of people have gone into trucking uh, Kenny has ten times at least the experiences I do in trucking, but so I'm a newbie, you could say. But uh, I knew that I'm kind of a libertarian, so a constitutionalist, you could say. So I don't know all the trucking rules, but I do know that they can't make you do one thing and then force you to do the exact opposite at the same time. That much I knew. And uh, so I mean, all my, right, my and oh, go ahead. Oh no, go ahead. Finish your thought. When they tried to wake me up in, in 2010, I'd only been a truck driver for, for six months. I was in the sleeper berth. Uh, my partner at the time got citation for allegedly being overweight, and they, they forced me to out of a deep sleep. And I was pretty pissed off about it. And that's what started this whole thing on my end. Okay. And, and Kenny, how about you? Just a, a, a little bit quickly on your, uh, on your background. Um, well, I'm one of those that always wanted to be a trucker. Uh, my grandmother used to ask us when we were kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? And we're on our way back from the airport one day, and I grabbed a ping-pong paddle and started shifting gears. And she said, what's that? And I reached up and grabbed the air horn. said, toot, toot. <laughs> so pretty much ever since then, you know, that I've been driving a truck over 30 years. Oh, wow. So. All right. So, uh, hey, how was your um, pre-court thing today? Well, the court thing was kind of interesting today. Um, in my permit, explain book, to everybody have, what today was and and your court thing that's going on on the 11th. Because I know a lot of people are like, okay, what's going on? Yeah, we're kind of jumping the gun. I was going to, but go ahead. Yeah. Um, well, today it actually um, it was basically just seeing what everybody has against each other and and making a decision whether it's going to go to court or not and um i brought my permit book in and it happens to have a copy of everything the officer was demanding me for uh my medical certificates uh the actual long form and the short form as well as my cdl a copy of my cdl is in my permit book along with my wife's we run team and um, the district attorney looked at that and said, well, I'll have to get back with you tomorrow. So we'll have to see what happens. Oh, okay. 
Okay. Well, I mean, let's just kind of start from the beginning. I mean, uh, you were, uh, I understand you were at a, a rest area in Georgia running a team with your wife, like you said. So uh, just uh, bring everybody up to date on uh, just what what happened and what was started by the experience you had in Georgia. What's, what's the story? Tell us what happened. Well, the first time was uh, the 28th of uh, March. We had gone into the scale house there in Ringgold, Georgia, on the northbound side on I-75. She pulled my wife around back for, like, a level two inspection. Um, asked my wife for the logbook. My wife explained to her we were on PeopleNet. Now, there's a lot of drivers out here familiar with PeopleNet. Whatever screen it's on, it rotates your hours of duty status, you know, where you're at, what your co-driver's duty status is at the time as well. And uh, it just keeps rotating at the bottom. She asked my wife for the logbook summary. My wife shows her the logbook summary page. That is not the actual graph. So then she turns around and decides to give my wife a ticket for uh, not having a current log at time uh, duty status at time of stop and no blank records of logs. Well, at that time, we had a printer, a computer that prints logs, as well as two telephones that are capable of doing logs and being sent to a printer. So we had four electronic devices on board. Did not have a blank logbook. That was the only thing. But we did have a current duty status at the time of stop. Then she sends my wife back out to the truck to obtain my CDL. Well, before they ever went inside... She asked my wife for my CDL, and my wife said that I was sleeping. So she just took the permit book in. They had argued about things, and uh, the officer told my wife, well, I just want to see if he had any warrants. Well, that was the first encounter. Our second encounter uh, was the 15th of April, and her and my wife were exchanging arguments again about how I'm in the sleeper berth during my mandatory break, and that she put my name on the inspection report the first time, which caused me to log it, which put us four and a half hours behind on our load. Plus, violated my 14-hour day, so I ended up having to do a complete reset on my sleeper berth time. So we meet another driver up in Kentucky, which was fine, but that put us late getting back south to get our next load going north. Uh, also a little bit later delivering than we normally would um, the first time. The second time, they're arguing, and um, she you know, asked my wife for my ID again. My wife finally says, no, you're not going to, you know, I'm not getting them up for the ID. And she Well, she had already done this the first time. Obviously, she knew right. you the, had the your ID. Time, and- exactly. Exactly, and she'd ran me and checked me for any warrants and let me go at the time, obviously. I'm clean. So there was no reason for her to do it the second time. But during their arguments, my wife asked her if she ever heard of the Hobbs Act. And um, she replied back to my wife, have you ever heard of obstruction of justice? So that made me upset. And I got dressed and went inside the scale house and asked the officer what probable cause did she have to demand my ID while I was in the sleeper berth during my mandatory break. She would not answer me. 
So I said, okay, look, just a couple of weeks ago, we just went through this. You know there's copies of everything you need in that permit book. Have a good night. She asked me if I was going to comply. I asked her again, you know, what probable cause. No answer again. I said, thank you. Have a good night. And she decided at that point in time that I was not going to comply, put cuffs on me, charged me with obstruction of justice, and took me to jail. I sat seven and a half hours in jail before I got out. My mother-in-law came down to get me. My wife had to run solo up to meet Dave in order to make the load on time. Fortunately, she had enough hours to get up there and come part of the way back. Um, I had to actually meet her and then take eight hours of rest time, uh, like doing the split thing in order to get us back south. So we ended up, you know, extremely late that night, and, you know, it was a, a big harassment thing. It should have never happened, I don't believe. Well, I mean, looking back now, I mean, wouldn't it have been just been much easier to just have complied? It may have, but it ticked me off so much when it happened the first time. I had a really hard time going back to sleep, if you could probably imagine. The, well, it's uh, almost like harassment. I mean, obviously yeah, exactly. this woman knew from from checking it just two weeks ago. And, right. you know, she it, it's just like harassment to me. Well, let me ask you, why, what was your wife, you, you kept saying arguing with, what was your wife arguing with them about? That she was not going to wake me up to give them my CDL when I'm on my mandatory rest period. Because uh, doesn't that, um, Alan, isn't that when you, you get woken up, you have to start all over again? Yeah. And it, so that, that'll just all I mean, mess you yeah, up. Yeah, I mean, technically, legally, yeah, you should. You should you should go on duty, you know, not driving, but, which would interrupt your break, but you'd have to start it all over again. But, but yep. you know, who, it all depends on, you know, who wants to go through all that. But, um, okay, well, so, all right, well, Mark, it. oh, go ahead. The funny thing about that was is that uh, she told my wife the first time to tell me, don't worry about logging it. <laughs> oh, so yeah. I mean, she they... told me, just falsify your log, you know. Yeah, oh, yeah. And, okay, well, Martin, so... To another oh, go state, ahead, Ken. And they had looked at, if I had gone to another state and they'd have looked at that inspection report, now the officer has two names on the inspection report. Excuse me, sir, let me see your logbook. You know, right. If right. you don't log it, the other state might look at it different than Georgia did. Well, she almost set you up, telling you, right. you know, not to log right. it and then putting you on the inspection report. I mean, exactly. maybe it wasn't uh, setting you up, but I don't know. I mean, I don't know anything anymore hearing all these stories that people are telling. It's just unbelievable to me. Um, okay, now, this happened in Georgia. Now, what... Wasn't there something that happened in Texas? No, in my case, it was Missouri, Rockport, Missouri. And back in 2012, I had the same kind of incident. Um, and that officer was relatively new to everything. And, you know, it, I got a, when I talked to his superior, he was very nice, and we just kind of let things go. Uh, now, Martin Hill, on the other hand, he's got an interesting story. Okay, that's where that must be where I'm getting Texas. Okay, Martin, jump in yeah. here and 
because my notes are all messed up here, but I knew something happened in Texas. That must have been you, right? Yeah, that was me, Alan. Um, it was 2010, uh, November 2010, and I was in the sleeper bird, uh, sound asleep, and my co-driver at the time, he went into a way station in Divine, Texas, and he got a ticket for being allegedly overweight, and uh, that's his problem. I don't care about that. And the DOT officer demanded I wake up and show my ID, and like I said before, that's what made me angry, and um, I recorded the whole thing on my cell phone. I'm a uh, advocate of recording all interaction with law enforcement for everybody's safety and for a true record of what happened. So I got my cell phone out, and uh, when they made me wake up, I walked back to the little skill house in Divine there, and she just left us really rude people, first of all, and uh, they just left us in there. So I, I stayed there a few minutes, and I'm like, forget this. I'm going back to sleep. So I walked back to sleep, and, and the videos of these people are on my site. And she said, did you, did, you, did you leave your ID? I said, first of all, I want to ask why you woke me up. You know? And she said, well, uh, at that point, she knew something was amiss. And she, she kind of stuttered and stammered. And uh, uh, I, I didn't, I just asked him for your ID. I said, he doesn't have my ID. My ID is my property. It's in my wallet. So I'll ask you again, why'd you wake me up? And I just, and she started stammering again. I said, look, is it a request or a demand? She said, a request. So I said, goodbye, and I, I left, went back to my truck. And she sends her uh, Texas uh, state trooper after me, and uh, I just arrived back to my truck to go to sleep again. Uh, and he threatened me with arrest, and he'll take me to jail, and we could ID. I'm the one with the gun, he said, and uh, I will ID whoever we want, and, and so on. And so under duress, Kirsch, nobody wants to get arrested. And first of all, very few people are willing even to stand up like Kenny did and exert their rights to the point of being arrested. Uh, so you might say, oh, that's foolish, that's stupid. Well, I, at some point, like I said, you can't mandate all these rules for truckers and then, and then violate our sleep. So in my case, well, I'll, I'll make it short. Go ahead. No, no, I, I, and I totally agree with you, uh, Martin, that they make the rules and it's like they – I really do feel sometimes that they're, they're being, drivers are being set up just from listening to these stories. But go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Well, so then in my case, I'll make it short and sweet. I complied under duress, and within a week I filed two complaints. I filed a federal civil rights complaint with the U.S. Department of Justice, and I filed an internal affairs complaint with the uh, Texas Department of Public Safety. Which, And by the way, all these cops and all these, all these officers or whatever agency they're with, sometimes it's difficult to even determine who they're with, who they work for. It's not always easy to determine who an officer works for, first of all. Like in my case, they happen to work for the Texas Department of Public Safety, both of them. So I filed a, an official complaint, and it's important to file an official complaint. Gibbering on the phone to somebody, folks, does not even constitute an actual complaint. So you've got to really do it officially, you understand? Because when you do it officially, that's the only way you're going to get an official response on the record. Otherwise, it doesn't even count. So within, right. within a month, and this is very valuable, I think. I haven't heard of anybody else who's done this. Uh, the Texas Department of Public Safety apologized and admitted wrongdoing in writing on behalf of both officers. It's on my site. They said corrective action was needed against both officers and quote, additional training has been taken, unquote, on the part of both officers. So to me, that was very valuable. I already knew it they is couldn't valuable. wake me yeah. up. Yeah. I already knew they couldn't wake me up, but this is them in bed again, right? And then 
after they did that, I sued the two officers uh, and the Texas DPS in federal court uh, civil rights lawsuit. And during that lawsuit, in the discovery phase of that lawsuit, uh, they had to release all sorts of it. Both sides, you know, required to release all sorts of pertinent data. And one of the things they were forced to release was a Texas DPS internal memo in regards to my case, and it said, it said, um, the passenger is under no obligation to comply with requests for ID. That's what, that's the Texas Department of Public Safety saying that. That's not me saying that. So to me, that's, that's even more valuable is the officer being punished. So the Texas Well, let me DPS, ask you a question, Martin. Martin, yeah. let me just interrupt you for one second. Um, you said they don't, they're not required to show ID. Now, you're talking about when they're in the sleeper berth, or you're talking right. about any time at all? No, I'm talking about when they're in a sleeper berth. Of course, we all know when, okay. when you're in the front seat, whether you're in the passenger or driver, of course you're obligated to show ID. Even if you're a okay. passenger, you're obligated to show ID. I'm not arguing that. I understand okay. that. Okay. This is when okay. we're sleeping, and that's what of they course. said. I, I didn't say it. They admitted it. So that's on my site, don'twakemeup.org. And that's pretty much the, my case open and shut. I mean, it's a very simple case in my case. Uh, I had no criminal charges like Kenny did because he actually, um, I really respect what Kenny did because he, he drew his line in the sand and said, no, I'm not going to bend over for you, excuse my French, or bow down to you. You're, you know, you're yeah. supposed to enforce the laws. You're not supposed to violate. And by the way, on my site, this, the second thing it has, a whole bunch of official sleep studies. These are commercial driver sleep studies that the feds pay scientists to conduct these studies. And one of them, for example, costs more than $5 million, just one single study alone. And right. they talk about how disruptions in sleep compromise the quality and quantity of sleep, and they lead to uh, fatalities. So when these officers try to excuse it or, or belittle it by saying, oh, it's not a big deal, just wake up, come outside for a minute, no, that's not what their own studies show. Their own studies show the exact opposite. Well, this so, is the hypocrisy that that yes. goes on, uh, especially with FMCSA claiming that safety. And, you know, I remember Ann Farrow saying we're going to have zero accidents or, you know, when when that is so outrageous considering that over 70% of the um, uh, fatal truck accidents, or I don't even know if they're fatal, I, I, if it's just truck accidents, are caused by the other, uh, you know, the, the other uh, vehicles. So, right. you know, it, to say that safety is priority and not address, A, <clears throat> the truck parking situation, okay, and uh, giving uh, drivers enough room, parking spaces so they can park, uh, B, the shipper and receiver problem where they're not allowed to park on the property, and, uh, you know, that's just a nightmare. We've had two drivers, Jason Rivenberg and Michael Beglin, uh, get murdered waiting for their loads uh, early morning. And, you know, so that's a disaster. Then came Desiree from Real Women in Trucking who uh, went over the data with a fine-tooth comb from that survey that we all did, the National uh, Truck Parking Survey, and, and received all the information from the drivers, the comments about being woken up. And it's, it's yep. funny that you contacted us again, because you had contacted Alan like about a year ago, too. And yep. I found the email. It was an old email, and I found it. And 
and you had spoke about it. So I don't know if it's a coincidence that you called or um, emailed him or had you heard the radio show, or is it just a coincidence? Well, I remember we were emailing a few times last year, like you said, and um, I, we, I'm sure everybody's busy. We just kind of forgot about it. But um, I, I have uh, heard about the stories you've been doing about the murdered truck driver and so forth, and that's why I okay. decided to, to contact you again. Okay. Okay, so it was because of the. Online. Okay, great. Okay, so yeah, because we we did a lot of a lot on that, and it, this all fits in, and uh, yeah. I, I just can't I just can't get over personally. I know Alan was really upset on that truck parking show that we did about the DOT waking people up. <laughs> I thought he well, was going to burst the blood your... vessel on that show. <laughs> I heard well, one of your so... callers. One of the female callers said, I can't believe that officers would wake up truckers. And then Alan said, of course they, they did to me several times. Now, you said you've only been woke up, Alan, two or three times in 30 years. Um, like I said, I'm a new guy here, and I've been woken up. In addition to this one case involving my suit, I've been woken up many, many times, only in the four years I've been doing this truck driving thing. And I have a lot of these videos because I started – always have a video camera, and I, and I film these people. Matter of fact, my wife and I are on vacation right now up in the Central Coast in California, and would you believe that on the way here, on our last load to, coming to our home time, I got woken up again in Texas, and it's incredible what these criminals do. Let me tell you something. They are criminals, and I have that video well, let on me, top of my site. I, who, wait, oh, who's criminals? The, the the criminals the criminals posing as police officers who just violate the law and violate our our well rights. I I'm not going to go there I mean I was a police okay. officer I don't think police officers yeah. are, are, are criminals but okay. let me let me just let me clarify one thing now I said yeah. that I was woke up three times in 29 years mm-hmm. that was based on kind of what the discussion was I mean I was woke, yeah. that was that was three times in a rest area. When they were setting up a mobile scale, I remember one was one was in Virginia, one was Maryland, and the other one I don't remember. Now, like okay. you, oh yeah, I mean, 29 years over the road, I got woke up a lot. But I mean, it was sometimes it was. I mean, I was parked on the side of the road, and it really wasn't the safest spot. So the trooper okay. knocked on my door and said, "Hey, you can't park here for safety reasons." But yeah, I mean, yo, I've been woke up, you know, oh yeah, many, many times, but I was mostly oh. just clarifying the, you know, the scale how or the rest areas and things. But let me ask yeah. you this, and then I'll get Kenny real quick, and then we'll get some callers here, because I know we have a few callers online that has their own opinion about all this. But let, so, is your Texas case? I mean, is it dissolved? Is it is it done over with? It's still ongoing at the present time. I thought they wrote you the letter though. Oh, they, that they apologized and everything. Yeah, yeah, they did. They did right. They did admit wrongdoing in writing, and then during the discovery phase of the trial, they did admit that internal memo. That's just the discovery phase, but the trial is uh, still going forward. These things are very long and dra- dragged out. You know. Oh, you mean the part where you the part where you sued them? Well, to me, I think it it makes um, you know you take a stand, and I can understand how Kenny feels. Because sometimes it's that last straw that breaks the camel's yeah. back, okay? And I wasn't trying to insult police officers. I actually have officers on both sides of my family, two cousins, while my mom and my dad's side are both officers. And he told me, good for you for suing these guys because they're rogue. 
That's not at all against officers in, in itself. I'm talking about when they violate our rights, that is illegal, and that's against the law. So we're not the only oh, yeah. officer. That was my point, you know. I wasn't oh yeah, and, yeah. I can, I can agree with that, and you know, it's just okay. like, and you know, I'm, yeah. Hey, I, I, I know some, <laughs> I know rogue golfers of myself. So yeah, I, I'm, okay. I'm not, uh, I'm not saying they, but no, I, I, I got you. I, I agree with okay. you there. You know, if they, if they understand, but you know, the one thing about it is, you know, they really don't care about federal law. I yeah. mean, uh, the city cop, he's sworn to uh, uphold the. The laws and policies of the city and the the county, the sheriff and the state trooper, the state. So when you throw this federal law stuff at them, they they really don't care. But but uh, Kenny, let's uh, let me ask you now. Your um, so your 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 case is still ongoing. And so what are what are you? And then and then we'll grab some callers here. What are you? Uh, so what are you hoping to to uh, achieve through all this to get out of it all? The <clears throat> main thing that needs to be done is I feel the officers need proper training as to, you know, and then there needs to be some sort of set rule that's across the board nationwide as of what you can and can't do as far as during your inspections. You know, right. I feel but if aren't, they're trying to, right. Mm-hmm. So but isn't that already, isn't thing. that already established? Maybe they just don't, they're just not. I mean, those those laws and regulations are already established, but maybe they just don't understand understand them, or like I said earlier, just just don't care about federal law. Can I put my two cents right. in? I have an mm-hmm. I, I have a thought of why I think it's increasing. I think when they started CSA, there was an all-out surge to uh, be more aggressive on safety and without the proper training. So you've got a bunch of people after the, you know, okay, we need to really be aggressive. Uh, FMCSA has this big safety thing going, but yet not the tools, the knowledge to understand the rules. I mean, you look how thick. I look at that rule book that Alan has. I mean, I don't know how anybody memorizes all that. That's a lot of stuff in there. Okay, what do you call that book, Alan? (laughs) Just the FARs, regulations and everything. So. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and it's also you know you know if we're totally honest you know it has to you know has to do with you know revenue making too. But hey, let's grab a couple right. callers get get some people's opinions on all this. Uh, North Dakota area code seven zero one. You're up first. Hey, Ellen. Hey, Donna. Hey, Deb. This is Deb, right? Yes. Happy birthday. Okay. Lady. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I've been out here 15 years. I've been in every state except for Maine. I am the queen of way stations. I will sleep in a way station in a heartbeat. And I have never, ever been bothered. You're lucky, huh? I must be. I park in the areas all the time. I park in the area and I've woken up to where they are in sections. But they've let us that were parked in there sleeping and let us go on our way. Um, the only time anybody ever did anything was in Florida at the way station there, which is a, it's a uh, safety zone. But what they did is once you woke up and you were outside pre-tripping your truck, they did come over and ask me if they could test my fuel, which I don't have a problem with. And they did that once I was up and outside of my truck. 
Can I ask the caller, mm-hmm. is she a solo or a team driver? No, I'm a solo driver. Okay, solo and, and driver. I, Okay, thank you. In my and Kenny's case, we're both team drivers, and in both of our cases, this involves, you know, the one person is driving, and then they, they wake up the sleeper, so that's a little different. Yeah. Yeah, see, and, and I just, I was reading a lot of comments today about people that were getting woken up, but when you look further into the comments, a lot of them, you know, where were you parked? Well, I was parked on the line. I was parked on a right. ramp. You know, yeah. I was parked in that. Right. There was one that said that he was parked in a lot with 50 other trucks, and then they were told to move, and then they had DOT officers out there checking everybody's logbook. I would have loved to have seen that. Yeah. I, I'm sorry, oh, yeah, I, I read that. Now, did that look like a setup to you? Well, actually, that looked like a line of BS to me. I'm sorry. Oh, you, okay, okay. Wait, everybody yeah, up, everybody to go and deal with everybody on your way out. No. Yeah, my and Kenny's case, neither involved parking at all, and neither involved solo drivers. So we're both teams. And, and I explain to people, a team means two people are driving and one is sleeping. Right. That's how you get the freight there on time. You don't stop. Teams don't stop to sleep, generally. You know, right. that's why they're a team. So that's what we're talking about in our two cases. Yeah, and that makes well, he, you know, I would be angry, too, if somebody were to wait. If I was part of a team and yeah. somebody woke me up on my 10-hour break, I'd be very yep. angry. That's exactly what we're talking about. Very, right. very angry. But, but the other stuff, you know, like I said, you know, Alan, you had said that you'd been woken up in places before, too, and and it, it just amazed me because I did not realize they could do that. And then I started talking to... Um, a few of my friends, well, has this ever happened to you? And so far I haven't run into anybody that it's happened to. But the other question is, too, if we are sleeping and we are parked legally in a rest area, let's say, and they do come up and knock on your door and ask and, and tell you they want to DOT you or ask you to move, what are your options here? My first thing is to call 911. I'm like, wait a minute, I'm parked in a rest area. I'm on my mandated 10-hour break, and I got somebody beating on my truck. I will call 911. Well, uh, well, let me get Kenny's thought. I mean, I have my thought, but Kenny, let's. Uh, I'm having to put you on mute from time to time because I'm getting some noise from your phone. But what's your thoughts on that? I mean, calling 911. I mean, you've got a, a state trooper or DOT officials telling you to move, and um, I mean, what, what's your thoughts? What do you do? Well, you know, you call 911, you'll get a local dispatch, you explain where you're at and everything, and they'll probably be calling the officer that's knocking on your door. You know, so that's that's my thought about that, unless it's, you know, some other intruder. You know, you know this is a real, real, good. it's a touchy situation, because having been a police officer, I was a police officer and a deputy sheriff, and there's something that is called... Uh, disobeying the lawful order of a police officer. So if you have a DOT official or a state trooper standing there saying, hey, we need this room to bring this stuff in, you need to move, and I say I'm not going to do it, I just disobeyed the lawful order of a police officer, yet you have the federal law on your side. So this this is a tough little situation to get yourself in. Right. It would be nice to have a lawyer, and it would be nice to have some of these states that are doing this to have some of their troopers on a show to be answering these questions. I just don't yeah, want to mischaracterize. I just don't want to mischaracterize Kenny's case or my case because neither one involved anything to do with parking. You know, we're both run teams, 
and it's very dangerous for your teammate, for your team co-driver, to be tired when you're. Then you got to go to sleep next, and then how are they supposed to continue on the down the road if they've been woken well, up and tired? That's what I was just fixing to bring up, Martin, because your your cases, both of you and Kenny, are totally different. You weren't parked. You weren't sleeping. Yeah. You were pulled yeah. into a you were pulled into a scale house, Kenny, right? Yep. Yes. Uh, my wife was driving through the scale house. I was in the bunk, and uh, yeah, she came out to do a level two, and here we go. You know, but thought, yeah. a quick way to find that out is is to um, you know like subpoena nationwide. All those reports that have two drivers' names on them as far as the team trucks and stuff goes. And you'll find out this is not something that's isolated. Just the other week, my dad was going through Arizona. My brother, Jerry, was asked by an officer to somehow he's got to figure out how to wake him up to get his ID. And my dad's name also appeared on that inspection report in Arizona just the other week. So this is something that's branching out across country, you know, and it's easy to find. We just got to look into finding it. Yeah, I think it's happening a little bit more than people are thinking. Let's go. Uh, let's go to Texas, and we'll pick up Florida, uh, Texas area code two one zero. Welcome to the show. Hello, uh, Alan. It's Jeff. How you doing? Hey, Jeff. Hey, that's, that's hey Jeff. How you on. doing? Huh? Doing all right yourself. Happy late, happy belated birthday. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I've ran both the uh, solo and team, and I can sympathize with what your guests are talking about. I mean, but however, I know when I, my co-drivers that ask for, um, uh, ask for something from me, usually it's just my law book and not my ID or anything. Which I think, uh, if the law book is within reach of the uh, driver that's uh, behind the wheel of that opening sleeper curtain, I think that's. Uh, if I understand correctly, you can still legal form to do that. That way, they can check both law books, but then they uh, they wouldn't be able to ask them for my ID or anything. Because if you have to open that curtain or uh, wake the driver up at all, that's uh, pretty much violating their rights. And uh, I mean, I drive solo now, and as I see it, uh, if a driver is legally parked, it shouldn't be bothering him at all. I mean, but of course, if you're parked in one of those states, uh, for example, I'm going to name off a list of states that I know of that do not allow ramp parking. Arkansas, Tennessee, Georgia, um, Indiana, Kentucky, and there's probably at least a few others that I can. Uh, Virginia is one of them also now that I think about it, uh, that don't allow ramp parking. And I imagine there's probably some drivers that were uh, taking their DOT break there that uh, got woke up by state troopers. But, you know, when you park illegally, you can expect for somebody to come along and wake you up. It's just going to happen. You can't really uh, – you don't have a leg to stand on at that point if you're illegally parked. But I mean, if you're legally parked, they shouldn't really, really shouldn't have a uh, any grounds to tell you to move or anything, especially when you're on your mandated DOT break. Yeah, they shouldn't, but <laughs> but I guess they do. But um, you know, uh, I don't know. So you've never had it happen to you, Jeff, right? I've never had it happen to me. I mean, uh, and. I think it's probably because uh, most of, I don't park at rest areas very often. Most of the time, it's either at a uh, at a truck stop or a customer's facility where I might overnight at it. When you're on private property, they can't just come in there and perform inspections. Although they can, if they see something wrong with your truck while you're on the road, they can pull you in and inspect you there. But as far as uh, waking you up while you're on private property doing an inspection, I don't think you have any grounds to do that. 
Well, you know, I don't know. Now, we have someone on the line who's probably, um, uh, well, no probably about it. I mean, you know, a lot more knowledgeable than than I am on it. But James Lamb is on the line, and I know he has some things to say. But, Jeff, I'll leave you open here a little bit if you want to jump back in. Here, I'll open up Deb, too. I'll just open up everybody, Deb. And, and, uh, okay, great. Jeff, we'll just leave everybody open. And uh, anyway, I believe this is James Lamb, Florida, Erico 305. Uh, James, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks again, uh, Alan and Donna and uh, Jeff and Kenny and Martin and everybody else listening there. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to uh, kind of contribute, I guess, from the perspective of having served as a DOT investigator for five years out of my career is uh, kind of analyzing who it is that you're dealing with, number one, in terms of the department that you're dealing with, uh, what their anticipated level of training possibly is, what type of police officer, you know, you're dealing with, and then ultimately, you know, what your choices are when it comes to your responses and then the timing of those choices uh, or or that response, I should say. So, you know, the first thing that comes to mind as I'm listening to this whole discussion uh, as a former DOT investigator is that there are three possible uh, law enforcement officers that you're probably going to run into out on the road when you're, when you're dealing with this situation. One is a very well-trained, either federal or state-funded uh, DOT-type investigator. They're very well-trained in, in uh, 49 CFR, in state and local regulations. And so they pretty much can be expected to know what's going on. The second is a motor carrier unit, a specialist police unit within a local police department. It might be a metropolitan police department. Uh, those are usually found in more of the affluent areas like uh, Long Island, New York, for instance. Nassau, Suffolk County has those types of branches of the police department that all they do is these motor carrier, you know, uh, commercial motor vehicle inspections. Uh, the third is the average, I guess you would say, street cop or, you know, your, your deputy. And, you know, as I, as I start to think of that character, you know, everything from, from Barney Fife pops up right down to Roscoe P. Coltrane <laughs> in North Carolina. You know? so, so you, can, you, remember, you remember those, those TV shows, and you, and you know that those characters do exist, and they're out there, and then they, they have a gun and they have a badge, and they know they're supposed to know what's going on, they don't necessarily, and they don't want you to know that they don't know. And the worst thing you can do in that situation is embarrass that cop and let him know that you know that he's wrong. So, you know, one of the things that I think is worth talking about is what, who you're dealing with, you know, is it a specialist or not? And then there's different levels of police officers in general. You know, I studied policing when I was in college. I have a, a master's degree in criminal justice, actually, from John Jay College Criminal Justice. And I can tell you that in terms of, of the theory of policing, and, you know, we wrote this whole thing about community policing recently and community-oriented trucking. We can talk about that later. But there are three different roles or three different types of cops in general. You know, and the first is the type of cop who's kind of just going through the motions. He's got a job. He doesn't make a heck of a lot of money. He doesn't want to get killed. He wants to go home to his family. And he just wants to get through the day. He, he's usually not going to give you a lot of problems. The second type is the type that is what I call a problem solver, where there's, a, there's an actual uh, public safety interest or, you know, an individual safety interest at, at uh, stake. And he's doing his job. He's doing it diligently. He's doing it zealously. And, and he wants to help. 
and either that's helped the public or helped the state in terms of enforcing against the menace on, on the road. The third type is an overzealous cop, and that's, that cop usually is the guy who has an ego, and he's out there, and he wants to push people around. And, you know, I, I heard the, the discussion before about some of these guys are criminals and we don't want to go there and all that. But, you know, there are times when some of these guys do break the law, and there are times when they do it with uh, actual, uh, you know, uh, corruption in, in, in mind. It's not the average cop, but there are a few people that are bad apples that are out there. So, you know, you don't know who you're running into when, when you're getting stopped. So when you're in that situation, the first thing that you can do is decide how you're going to actually respond in that situation. Now, are you going to get angry if you get woken up? Probably. Are you justified to get angry? Absolutely. You know, but do you have to express that anger? Might you be able to control that anger? Uh, can you follow up on that anger later on? You know, when I wrote one of the articles recently that I posted on Facebook, I said that when, when you're in that situation, that cop, whoever he is, will never have more control over you and what's about to happen to you, whether you're going to go back to sleep, whether you're going to drive away, or whether you're going to drive away with him in the back seat of his car or her car. You know, he'll, he or she will never have that amount of control over you again, uh, presuming you don't bump into them like, like Kenny did with the same woman, you know, officer, uh, you know, twice. So the, the average situation is that you're never going to see that cop again, and you have the right to follow up after the fact and pursue your remedies and actually exercise your rights. But it's much better to do it when you're out of that, you know, uh, situation where it's unclear, you know, whether you're going to get a ticket, whether nothing's going to happen, or whether you're going to get arrested. The worst thing that can happen, and these guys that have gotten through, gone through this, unfortunately, you know, they, they, they know that that experience is a bad experience, and I'm sure they would not wish that upon any other driver, right? Now, guys, would you agree with that? Yeah, I agree with you. Right? You, you don't want the, any other driver to go through what you went through, right, having to get locked up, having to deal with attorneys and legal bills and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, yeah, not and I'm, not saying, I'm not saying that you did, you know, you, you, you did something bad. I'm just saying that, you know, in terms of moving forward, there are a bunch of different choices that are out there. Now, you can file a complaint after the fact against the officer. You can file complaints most of the time with civil review boards, which are not officers that you're complaining to, but members of the um, the actual community, and ultimately, you know, you could pursue your rights in a legal capacity and, and sue the department like uh, I believe Martin did and uh, do it in a way so that it is about your civil rights but not about how you had to go through that whole horrible experience. You know, I've, I've actually been in situations where I have locked people up. I have worked a lot of different things in my, in my career, not only as a DOT officer, I've been a, a police officer for the tax department in New York, uh, an actual detective. I've been a bounty hunter where I've actually put people back in jail, fugitives. I've done a lot of things that some of you don't, you know, know about. But, but basically, I know what those places are like. And, I've, you know, I've been in Rikers Island and uh, the Bronx, you know, correctional mm -hmm. uh, place. And, and these are bad places. And you don't want to go there. And it's not worth, you know, making that stance and having to deal with that discomfort, you know, that, that follows. You can, you know, deal with this, but deal with it after the fact. And I think that's, that's the central message and then the other issue that I think is worth talking about is that you, you should look at this in this day and age and with what we're trying to do as trade group with the Small Business and Transportation Coalition, you should look at this as you're not alone. And we are talking about dealing with this not at the individual level, 
but at the policy level and at the training level, like Kenny was talking about before. So, you know, we can talk about how if something like this happens to you, don't complain to the cop on the scene. Complain to us after the fact. And what we'll do is we'll gather all this data, kind of like what uh, Desiree and, uh, and Hope did on the truck parking survey, and, you know, we'll, we'll look at whether there are actual police departments that are infringing on people's rights. And we will, on your behalf, contact those departments and, if necessary, decides putting them on notice that they're doing stupid things like waking drivers up while they're taking their mandatory sleep period, we will also remind them that there is a federal statute. And that federal statute says that if there are evidences of, of police misconduct, there, is, there are civil remedies that not you and, and having to buy an attorney uh, come into play, but, but the Department of Justice itself will sue the local police department. And they will say, you know, you're doing something that is inappropriate and there's predicate offenses that are listed in the law and we're coming after you to tell you that you have to cease and desist. We're going to have a judge tell you and then we're going to talk about how to correct the remedy. And, of course, how's the correction? Through training. And that's pretty much where we're coming from. Uh, now, you have a, a, a forum on your site. Well, two things I, I'd like to ask because, you know, the questions are coming in my, rolling in my head. Number sure. one is if it's a DOT officer. Now, th- this is someone who, you know, supposedly understands the law. They're the one you were talking about that is trained, highly trained. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, on the show that uh, Desiree was on, she was saying that some of these people were DOT officers. Now, if if this is the case, should the FMCSA like be notified of this? I mean, th- this is their people, right? Well, maybe, maybe not. I mean, it, it depends. A lot of people throw the quote DOT into one big pool, and yeah. really DOT, you know, there's federal and there, there's state, and there's even city DOT in, in some cities like New York City. Right. So, you know, I was a state DOT investigator. And so I don't fall under the, you know, uh, the FMCSA regime per se. I, I would report to people in state government who ultimately report to the governor as the, uh, and, you know, as the leader of the state. So it, it may or may not be. But, you know, just because they're a DOT officer doesn't necessarily mean that they went through the training and they got it. You know, they, they okay. may get exposed to it, but they may not have gotten it. You know, and like I was saying, you know, there's those three types of officers that are out there. There's that one guy who just want to, wants to kind of go through the motions and get home. That guy probably sat in the class, and he probably took the book home, but he probably never read it very carefully. And, you know, he, he may not know what he should know and what you might expect him to know. Um, you know, so when I started to hear these, these situations where people are telling me that a DOT officer, whatever level of DOT it is, woke up a driver to do an inspection, I, I, I just want to slap myself in the head because it, right. I, cannot ima- I can't imagine the hypocrisy of that. that, that is, and, and I'm going to say that, you know, as former DOT, you know, that, that's, like, that's like doing a level one inspection on a vehicle, determining that the brakes are bad and so bad that the vehicle really needs to be put out of service, and then the cop or the officer saying, you know what I want you to do? I want you to drive up a mile up and pull over over there because, you know, we we got a, a parking problem over here. We need to do some more inspections. Are you out of your mind? You just discovered that the guy has no brakes. He can't move that vehicle until it's repaired or towed away. You know, so you wouldn't right. do that. So why why would you wake somebody up? That makes no sense to me. 
Can I can I understand right. well, let's get a, doing it? Yeah. Well, let's get Kenny and Martin's uh thoughts on everything you said here, James. Kenny, let's start with you. Your thoughts on uh your thoughts on everything that uh James just shared. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I strongly believe in the, the training part. They do need, you know, more adequate training or maybe yeah, I know they have to go through radar certifications ever so often. Maybe they need to be recertified ever so often, you know, the way things are changing and stuff from time to time, you never know. Well, how how about this um, approach where you you go to the website and you actually have the complaint? And, James, I want to ask you, um, they, these guys have video. I mean, they should still be doing video? I mean, I think the video is great. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, there's the, you know, the police departments are, are doing it as a regular practice to protect their interests and to, you know, theoretically protect the person that they're stopping as well. You know, so there's no reason why you can't do that, you know, um, in accordance with, you know, typical state laws on, on all that kind of stuff. I mean, there's eavesdropping laws and, and all sorts of different things that you've got to be, you know, aware of and make sure you're in compliance with uh, from state to state. But... But ultimately, you know, if you put the guy on notice and you say, as he pulls up, you know, I just want to let you know you're being recorded, you can do that. But, of course, it puts him on the, the defense from, from, you know, the get-go. So, right. you might, you know, yeah, but it, um, what, I'm sa- what I'm saying is if, if the drivers send in their complaint, and then isn't it just, you know, their word against theirs then at that point, if there's no proof? Well, you know, it, it could be... It could be looked at that way, I guess, but, you know, if we're in a position as a trade association to go to a police department and say, look, we are, you know, um, not going to lie to you. We're going to tell you that we've received these complaints from our people, and our people are telling us that your department is waking drivers up. You know, as you know, you're not supposed to do that because they're, they're getting their DOT, federal DOT mandated sleep. You know, and yeah, I, I don't know if you saw, you know, uh, Alan Adana that that post that I put up a couple of weeks back about there was a sign at a rest stop. Do you remember that uh, in Washington State? And it said, "Don't be here more more than eight hours." Do you recall that? Right. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. And, yeah, that's the old sign. Yeah. And, yeah. and so the thought is, okay, so I pull the truck in, and you know, I want to get my ten hours off. I'm going to get eight, you know, sleep. Let's say all at one time. So what am I supposed to do now? After eight, I'm supposed to drive the truck. I can't do that under federal regulation. So, you know, there's a lot of things that are out there that need to be brought to the attention of these departments, and they need to be given the opportunity to kind of correct them. And then if they don't fix the problem, that's when we can go to the feds and say, look, here's our file on this, and we've tried to do this the nice way and the easy way and ask them to train. You know, we we might even offer to come down and help train, you know. Uh, well, that reminds me, Alan, of the show we had in 2009. What's that? The one when we had um, Jeffrey Caldwell, was it? Jeffrey Caldwell, yeah, the head, of, head of the Virginia Department. And and what was it about the two-hour? Yeah, yeah, the two-hour two hour at the rest area. That's where Fred Schaffner was American driver, and they, they, they actually got that sign removed. Yeah, they had it changed. So, I mean, th- this is what happens when you know you you uh, kind of work in in numbers and have your voice heard. And this is what we keep trying to tell people. You know, it's 
it's the power of numbers. And, you know, I give Martin and, and Kenny, I give you guys a lot of credit for what you did. And uh, and I'm I'm one of these people, boy, I'll tell you what, I'll stand up for anything. I'll probably go down with, with a bullet just because I, I won't back down on anything. But, you know, on the other hand, I understand, you know, what James is saying. Hey, you know, if you've got another alternative and, you know, we're going to work this out so that you don't have to go to jail. Of course, Martin, you, you did the smart thing. You, um, Not that you didn't, Kenny. I think you did the right thing by what you did. But uh, by not – but you did comply, but then you went to court later and won. So I right. think that's great. Right. So yeah, you I, both I, are I, I awesome. Oh, thank you, Donna. I, read, I just want to say to Mr. Lamb, I read your document respecting the sanctity of sleep, and I really respect and thank you for that. It's a beautiful document, and you're right. It is the sanctity of sleep. The sanctity of sleep is a very good way to put it because it's a it's an issue of not only safety and health, but legal issues and the issue of dignity, human dignity. I, I told a cop the other day that woke my wife up. I said, how would you like it if some guy with a costume and a badge came to your window at 3 a.m. and banged on your window and said, show me your idea. I said, that would be insane and criminal. And you know, the sleeper is no different than your house at home. Maybe in some instances, sure. they would be justified. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, you know, uh, yeah. where there's blatant proof of criminal activity. But I respect Mr. Lamb, and I'm glad that he's had started this, and um, I think it's a great idea. Can you get that yeah. website out? Uh, the website is smalltransportation.org. Okay. It's uh, Small Business in Transportation Coalition, SBT. Okay. All right. And uh, right. I, I tell you, our, our time's winding down here. Let me grab the last caller. Uh, I believe this is Tom Kirk, line 30, area code uh, 607, last caller for the evening. Go ahead, Tom. Yes, it is, Alan. Thank you very much for calling me or, or picking up tonight. Uh, the question that I've got is I think some of this also comes down to confusion or over regulation. And some of the conversations that I've had with various police and DOT officers, they basically say, well, it comes down to your interpretation of it. Uh, there's that whole debate, for example, as to whether or not you're supposed to log a pre trip and flag the post trip or vice versa. Um, and I've had some officers tell me one thing. I've had other officers tell me another thing. And it really seems to come down to how you interpret all the different regulations in the different sections that apply to, to pre- and post-trips. Uh, and I think that is one issue that causes some of this, because you've got an officer who may mean well, but he may not have read you know, three sections further in the book that have given him different guidance. Or it's one of the situations where I read one section one way, Alan may read it something else, and Donna's looking at us going, you're both wrong, it says this. Yeah, well, I understand. Sure, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say that, you know, one of the things that um, I think we really want to recognize is that there's there's three different levels of, um, I don't want to say law, but three different levels of um, requirements, I guess you could say, that you need to, be aware of and, and, and check to get these questions answered. So the first is the, the law itself, the actual uh, United States Code at 49 USC. Uh, and then the second, of course, is the CFR, the Code of Federal Regulations. But the third is something that not a lot of people know about and it's worth you know, bringing to everybody's attention, 
there's something called regulatory guidance. And the guidance is basically the administration, you know, essentially FMCSA, collecting these questions, kind of like frequently asked questions, if you will, and ultimately they're just going to respond because of such a demand for the answer to some of those, and then they publish them as regulatory guidance. So anytime that you're trying to figure any of this stuff out, and, you know, you folks hit the nail on the head before when you said this book is ridiculously big, you know, the CFR to begin with, you know, all of these laws and rules and guidance together, you have to check all three in order to, you know, kind of kind of really get to the heart of it, the answer. And sometimes even the, the officers dealing with this stuff don't bother to do that, and that's when you get different interpretations. Most of the big issues have already been answered by FMCSA. It's a matter of going to the website, uh, fmcsa.dot.gov, and looking for that link that says regulatory guidance. Yeah, I mean, it, it is all pretty complicated, and, you know, everybody can agree on that. And, uh, you know, our... our Time's kind of winding down here, Jeff. Uh, uh, I know you and Deb still hanging on, but Jeff, um, let 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 me let you jump in here and give your final thoughts on what's been said. I think it's a uh, different case, uh, different case scenarios and stuff. I mean, I agree with uh, your guests about you know, team drivers should not be woke up. I mean, I know I've had situations where my co-driver would uh, show them a law book, but it wouldn't go anything beyond that, like I mentioned earlier. But uh, Anything uh, that requires waking that driver up should not take place. And then, uh, you know, I just think if a driver is legally parked, uh, they should not disturb him. I mean, when you think about it, most trucks are usually parked at nighttime, and then they'll usually set up horrible scales in the rest here during the daytime. So you would think that uh, by the time uh, morning time comes around, some trucks may pull out of a rest area, then the DOT may have a spot to set up their scale in a parking spot if that's what they want to do. And uh, they wouldn't have to worry about waking drivers up if they did that. It just depends on the, the timing of it all. And like has been said, I think some officers uh, kind of uh, have their own uh, wrongful interpretations of the law and everything. It's kind of a little bit overzealous Barney Five types. So, I mean, uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I agree with a lot of what's been said out here. I mean, I've been I've been interacting with a lot of different officers. Most of them are very professional, but yeah, I've run across a few of them that uh, – I would question their uh, integrity to ask if they're naturally stupid or they before a lot of to be that way. Oh, man, I tell you, I could tell you some stories or some pretty nasty ones that I've ran into, one right here in Florida, but we'll let, maybe we'll save that for another show. But I, have, I want to hey. put something else in. Okay. Dale Degner, and this is for James. I used to work for a, a company, and... Uh, they would dispatch by calling in the middle of my 10-hour break. When he asked OIDA and FMCSA, they were told that there was no laws against this practice. Only electronic communication are prohibited, such as Qualcomm satellite. But phone calls are okay. So what do you tell Dale? Because, you know, he, he, he mentioned that he hopes this is brought up. I mean, my thing is don't answer your phone. But, I mean, I don't know. What would you tell him? Uh, yeah, I think don't answer your phone is probably good recommended advice. I, I mean, I would invite him to formally contact us through our Contact Us page and put his, okay. his, his question in writing, and then we'll, we'll respond in writing. We'll be happy to share the answer with you. Uh, one last thing let me, let me just say. I've I got to say, you know, it's always good to stand up for yourself and, and to, to, to defend justice, and that's what these guys have done here, and they, they deserve to be commended for that. Uh, but the, 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 way, the way it's done and the, the timing and whether you have to do it yourself or with another group is really what's at the heart of the, the question here. 
and that's why we're creating this SBTC, or we've created it, and it's here for, for drivers, and we ask you folks to be a part of this, to help us steer, you know, this organization, uh, to join, to, to contribute, and pay your, your membership dues of 25 bucks a year, and, uh, and ultimately that will empower us to, uh, to have powers and numbers. Yeah, Alan and I are uh, members. Lisa Martin, I'll definitely be joining uh, Mr. Lamb's group. And uh, by the way, Kenny, Kenny did uh, seek help from OIDA on this issue. And Kenny, tell them what advice OIDA gave you regarding regarding your uh, case. Um, basically, they got uh, to a point where they just said, "I might as well just go plead guilty." <laughs> what is it? What did they say? They told, they told, they told me, me I should. Right. Told you why? I couldn't yeah. hear you. Oh, I told should... me that I should plead guilty. To what? Guilty for what? For obstruction of justice, whatever the case was. Oh. Right. Oh my God. Well, that was that was great advice. <laughs> oh man! Oh man! <laughs> All right, listen. Uh, time winded down here, Deb. I wanted to give uh, you another shot. Uh, your final thoughts on what's been said here lately. I wanted to ask James Lamb if we have. I have uh, details on my slides that say video and audio taping in progress because I do run the video cameras facing back from my mirrors and facing front. I run the dash cams, you know. Do I still uh-huh. have to tell them that they are being video and audio taped or should that no. be notice? That should suffice. No, that, if you put a prominent notice, then they're expected to, to read the sign. Uh, to cover yourself, it doesn't hurt to tell them, although there's that issue of, you know, starting a confrontation off. But ultimately, you know, for your, you can say it in a very respectable way. Officer, to begin with, just want to let you know, for your safety and mine, you know, this, this uh, interaction is being recorded. Okay. Thank yep. you. All right. Now, is that, I mean, does that law vary? I mean, I would think that law varies in every state, James. I mean, but that's sufficient in, in any state as long as you just notify them and tell them? Well, I think it's really a matter of, of eavesdropping, and that, that you know, kind of goes from state to state. But if you make a good faith oh. effort to let them know, then no matter mm-hmm. what state you're dealing with, you're really not going to be dealing with that because usually it's you can't, you know, record somebody without their knowledge in certain states. And mm-hmm. if you told them, mm-hmm. then, then they, have, they have knowledge. I remember at our convention, Paul Taylor uh, gave out a list um, as part of the handout of Chuckers Justice Center. He was one of our speakers, and he actually gave a list out, and I'd probably have it filed, or it might be in your file, Alan, um, and it says each state, but you could easily look it up on the Internet uh, and find out which states are which. Yeah, well, okay, listen, our our time's winding down, Martin. uh, Thanks for joining us this evening, and be sure to keep us posted on how things are going. Thank you. And, uh, Kenny, same to you. Appreciate you being here and sharing your story, and good luck. Keep us posted. And, Martin, can you just share with everybody what your website is, again, for everybody so they can go to it? Don'twakemeup.org. Okay. And, Kenny, your your full story is on that site, right? I do believe so. Uh, Martin's done a wonderful job of posting a video link and everything. Um, if it wasn't for Martin, my story wouldn't be getting out. And thank you, Martin. I don't think I ever told you that. <laughs> no problem. And but, what um, are we gonna? When are we gonna know what happens in your court date? I'm on pins and needles over here. I hear you. As soon as I <laughs> I know, I will give you a buzz. It, uh, it will probably 
He, he's going to call me tomorrow if I have to show up Monday. So. Okay. We'll find out. Well, you let us know, and we'll uh, we'll post it, and we'll probably put a um, a replay of the show up either on Ask the Trucker or one of the social media sites. So, you know, people get a better idea of all this, of what's going on. But uh, we really do appreciate you coming on the show tonight and expanding on this um, parking thing that's going on and and the survey and the DOT waking people up and all like that. So we appreciate it very much. Not a problem. We enjoyed it. All right. Thanks again. And, uh, yeah, be sure to uh, keep us posted. Hey, we'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back with uh, Donna. You have some announcements, right? Uh Uh-huh, yeah. And we'll do that and wrap up this broadcast of Truth About Trucking. You're listening to Truth About Trucking live on Blog Talk Radio. Alan Smith will be right back. Heads up, truckers. Are you looking for deals on trucks, trailers, parts, or equipment? Or maybe you need to sell something truck-related. Well, there's a great spot on the web where truckers deal with other truckers. No middlemen involved. That's why we call it TruckerToTrucker.com. There's no charge at all for looking. And if you want to place an ad for what you're selling, it's just $19.95. And it runs till it sells. So whether you're buying or selling, it's time to log on and take a look. TruckerToTrucker.com. Check it out. That's TruckerToTrucker.com. Hey everybody, Alan Smith here with Truth About Trucking Live, and I want to tell you about TruckerLawyers.com. TruckerLawyers.com helps drivers with their legal needs, and they specialize in workers' compensation, trucking accidents, employment law, and other areas, but they never work for trucking companies. TruckerLawyers.com arms you with important information regarding workers' compensation and your legal rights, and they are also available to help you find assistance for additional legal issues. This includes determining how to get you the best benefits possible for your situation. The website truckerlawyers.com is a resource where you can learn more about your legal rights as a driver. Feel free to continue the social media conversation by liking them on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash truckerlawyers and follow them on Twitter as at truckerlawyers. Call them to talk through your questions at 1-800-736-5503. And when you call truck TruckerLawyers.com. Be sure to mention that you heard about them on Truth About Trucking Live. There's a lot of copycats out there, but you know, there's only one. Truth About Trucking Live. Now, back to the show. All right, Donna, what's going on? Well, I want to start with... um, I want to give a shout-out over to Tim Taylor. Um, He's the uh, executive chairman of the Network FOB. And um, recently he responded to the Jason's Law and the shippers and receiver problem with parking and all like that. So I want to just give you a quote of something that he has put out on LinkedIn and a statement. Um, As a company, we would like to have our agents support our efforts to implement Jason's Law a law written to make parking safer for drivers. The law is in place. The implementation is not. And uh, one of the quotes that I really love here, and uh, we have it on the blog, is, I personally abhor the practices of some shippers and warehouses that abuse or mistreat drivers. 
I don't like mistreatment by anybody to anybody. A driver at the bottom end of the economic scale is especially vulnerable to the system, quote, being forced basically to sleep in unsafe areas. So um, just a big shout-out. Thank you, Mr. Taylor, for um, for expressing your views on that, and we need all the support we can get for Jason's Law, not just within the trucking community of truck drivers, but the entire industry needs to come on board. Uh, also, I do want to give another um, mention of the three options to help fund OTR trucker, uh, the murdered trucker, Michael Beglin. Um, he was shot on June 26th, and his widow was on the show uh, two weeks ago. Uh, there is three funds going up. One is at GoFundMe. You can just Google it, GoFundMe, and then type in Michael and Ashley Beglin, B-O-E-G-L-I-N. Uh, then there's the Small Business and Transportation Coalition, and uh, that is um, small transportation smalltransportation.org. You'll see the link on that one. And then the third one is uh, the German American Bank, and this is what Ashley uh, mentioned on the show when she was on. You can make a donation by calling 812-367-2288. And we hope everybody can um, support support this cause for the Beglin family. Um, again, uh, just to, to reiterate everything that was said today, if you have a grievance over the show, you can just go to smalltransportation.org, and uh, there will be a, a link on there. You fill out if you've been woken up or uh, just want to ask a question, a legal question uh, about being woken up, then you can go to the contact page or the form and uh, fill that out. Um, Let's see. Oh, GATS. GATS is coming up, boy. I tell you, it's right around the corner. And we want to mention that uh, Make It Happen, the Blood Drive and the Walk for Life is going to be at the Trucking Solutions Group booth. And let's see, that is booth number 5057 on all three days. And this year they're not only having the walk, but they have that. um, It's a new thing where you can be a donor for uh, a bone marrow or stem cells, and it's uh, to save the lives of cancer patients. So really it's pretty uh, safe. You just have your mouth swabbed if you do want to be a donor. Of course, you're going to have to read the literature to make sure that once you do commit that you will be on the donors list and you're ready to be available. But uh, we didn't know this, but there's a severe shortage of donors in the United States. Uh, Again, awareness. Awareness is the key for everything. Um, That's why Alan and I are so big with social media. It's why we had the Truck Driver Social Media Convention. It was to bring people together and to create the awareness for all these issues. And I have to say that this is a big issue. And, uh, again, you want to go to the Trucking Solutions Group. Uh, You can either donate um, blood for the blood drive, do the health walk, or have your mouth swabbed. And a great bunch of people over there. So I hope you do get to see them. And Tom Kirk tonight that was on the uh, show, he called in. He'll be over there. And for all you people who aren't going to be at GATS, but you're moved by the idea of being a donor, um, you can actually contact Tom Kirk at roadtestedliving at gmail.com, and they will send you a free kit with the swab, and all you have to do is uh, fill out the information and mail it back. 
So, uh, again, that's at GATS and the Trucking Solution Group booth. Um, we do want to say that we're pretty excited over at the Industry of Sea Cruise. Um, that's going to be September 12th through the 15th. Uh, anybody who's interested in that, uh, you can call 954-253-5049 or go to www.industryatsea.com. Uh, Alan and I will be there. And, um, well, we're kind of teetering between a live broadcast. We don't know about the Wi-Fi out there. Um, or a video. So we're kind of leaning towards the video, but we'll see how it goes. We'd love to do a live broadcast, though, from the sea, so we're, we're continuing to investigate that option. And speaking of the cruise, um, sponsors this year for the cruise are DOTAuthority.com, 12PL, and the latest sponsor is Liberty National Financial Corp. over at www.freightbonds.com. And what they do, they are a popular choice for your BMC 85s. Uh, the BMC 85 is the name of the $75,000 trust fund agreement, um, the letter of credit of a combination approved by the FMCSA, and it provides $75,000 um, to the carry in case the, um, when a carry fails to pay for the regulated load. So anyway, you want to give them a call, you can go to www.freightbonds.com. And uh, we really do, I know James really appreciates them as a gold sponsor. So um, I have another thing here. It says, why must I be an 84 BMC 85? And I thought this was interesting. And it says, the FMCSA requires every regulated property or HHG broker to maintain a surety bond or broker trust fund agreement in the amount of 75000 in order to keep their broker authority uh, active. Uh, so you can call 405-321-5310. And, you know, we have a new sponsor, and I just want to give them a shout-out also. It's the historicalarmory.com. And we've been posting for them on, uh, on uh, Facebook. They have a deal in the month of August. Uh, and they will give you either 10% off or uh, a $400 personal engraving of your truck on, on the gun that you buy. And they have all kinds of – they have a Vietnam War uh, 50th anniversary. They have the 2014 firefighter. They have a Civil War 150th anniversary edition. Uh, the American Lyman edition, the Texas Oil and Gas Tribute, and, of course, the American Trucker. And um, I've been asking people about th these, and the quality from what I hear of these guns is, uh, is tremendous. So I'm going to give you their number if you just want to call them and take advantage of that 10% August um, discount. Uh, I think you'll have to mention Ask the Trucker, and it's one eight seven seven. 484-0179, or if you want to get that $400 um, uh, discount and have your truck engraved uh, right on right on the, the, the gun. It, I'm looking at a picture of it now, and it's absolutely gorgeous. So anyway, um, thanks for being a, our latest sponsor, and that's the historicalarmory.com. Yeah, and they have some amazing historical commemorative uh, rifles. I mean, I could go crazy on that site. Isn't it beautiful? Yeah. I, I was really, um, and, you know, I've spoken to them, and they're, they're the nicest people, and uh, everything is made 
in in America and by craftsmen, and so they're very very detailed. So um, I, I just can't say enough. If you go to historicalarmory.com, just look at it, and you'll you'll see what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. I get yeah. really excited about all this. Yeah, those are some <laughs> beautiful rifles and well done craftsmanship. So. Okay, that'll do it for this show this evening. Thanks for tuning in, our callers, listeners. We really appreciate it. Special thanks again to our guests, Martin Hill and Kenny Capel, for uh, joining us this evening. Be sure to bookmark us and add us to your favorites. And until next time, on behalf of Donna Smith, TruthAboutTrucking.com, TruckingSocialMedia.com, AskTheTrucker.com, Blog Talk Radio, and Truth About Trucking Live, I'm Alan Smith. Drive safe, and thanks for listening.